This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley with the Bright Focus Foundation. Welcome to, or welcome back, to the Bright Focus Chats. Today's topic is managing your age-related macular degeneration. Our guest today is Dr. Joshua Deneyev of the University of Pennsylvania's Perelman School of Medicine. Dr. Deneyev may be a familiar name. Uh, to some of you on the chat. We've been real fortunate to, to talk to him uh, several times over the past couple years, and he also writes some, some excellent content on our website, brightfocus.org, where he discusses many of the issues that we'll talk about today, and that, that's how to um, uh, diagnose and treat and manage uh, AMD. Let's turn to our guest, uh, Dr. Joshua Janaev. And Dr. Janaev, would you like to start off by just telling us what you do at the University of Pennsylvania? Sure. Good to be with you today, Michael. Um, I'm a retina specialist at the University of Pennsylvania at the Shea Eye Institute, and I've treated over a thousand patients with macular degeneration uh, and also do research on macular degeneration, uh, trying to understand the causes and develop better treatments for the disease. Well, that's great. So it's interesting that you're uh, in both a research lab and also seeing patients in the medical clinic. I was wondering, what's that like to, to kind of have both of those roles, and does one experience help you uh, in the other? Yeah, it's really helpful. I mean, my patients want to know that there's research happening to improve treatments for macular degeneration, and then the people who work in my lab are really motivated to know that there are patients out there who are going to benefit from their hard work. And sometimes my patients will even visit the lab and uh, talk to the students or vice versa. The students will come to the clinic and uh, talk with the patients and uh, hear what they're going through so that they can be even more motivated to work hard and try to develop some new treatments. Well, that's great. It's a great, great experience for everyone. So let's start off. We talk about... Um, macular degeneration, just a, a very big picture question. Um, is vision loss, uh, in, your, in your opinion, in your research, is vision loss uh, an inevitable part of aging? No, it's not. Uh, fortunately, uh, even for people with macular degeneration, many patients keep good vision uh, for their whole lives. They're able to read. Uh, many still able to drive uh, for their whole lives. So in the early stage of the disease, patients can be asymptomatic. They're just uh, detected through an eye exam uh, where the ophthalmologist sees little dots in the retina called drusen. Uh, drusen is a German word that means pebble. So it's as if the patients had little tiny pebbles in the eye. Uh, and again, these uh, people are often... Um, not uh, symptomatic, they can see very well, but the presence of the drusen indicates that they're at somewhat increased ri risk for vision loss at some point in the future. Doesn't mean that they're definitely going to lose vision, and in fact, uh, many don't lose vision, especially if they maintain a healthy lifestyle. So it's been shown that people who eat a healthy diet and don't smoke and exercise can decrease their risk of vision loss. And by a healthy diet, I mean lots of fruits and vegetables, kind of what you would expect. Uh, fish, fatty fish like salmon, uh, twice a week. And really uh, trying to cut back on refined foods, uh, highly processed 
foods, foods with a lot of sugar, uh, meats, animal products, all the healthy things are the, the fruits and vegetables and uh, the, the animal products, uh, it's really better to cut back on those. Yeah. No, it's, it sounds like good good advice from uh, from from head to toe there. Um, no, not a lot of our listeners, you know, will hear their doctors or neighbors or others talk about wet AMD and dry AMD, and those those sound like such simple labels. But could you tell us a little bit about what is the difference between wet and dry AMD? Sure. So wet AMD means that blood vessels, abnormal blood vessels in the retina, leak fluid into the retina and the fluid accumulates. And that fluid distorts the retina, interferes with its function, and can eventually permanently damage the retina if the fluid remains there for uh, weeks to months. Mm -hmm. So people with dry macular degeneration don't have these abnormal blood vessels yet, uh, but they are at increased risk for developing the vessels at some point. And eventually, in some patients with dry macular degeneration, there is uh, excessive production of a protein called vascular endothelial growth factor, or VEGF. And that VEGF promotes the growth of new abnormal blood vessels that leak and bleed. And that is when the patient develops wet macular degeneration, when the new blood vessels grow and, and leak and the fluid accumulates in the retina. And this can be treated with injections of anti-VEGF drugs like Lucentis, Ilea, and Avastin. Um, many patients have experienced this and know that their vision can improve or at least be stabilized after these injections. Yeah, no, it's it's good, to, and I guess also you know, kind of staying on that that topic of different labels. If someone hears about geographic atrophy, is that same thing as wet, or the same thing as dry, or is geographic atrophy something? Is that a third thing we should know about? Geographic atrophy is still dry uh, because new blood vessels have not grown and leaked, but is it's an advanced form of dry, so the the early stage of macular degeneration is, is always dry. It's the drusen that I was talking about before, those little spots, those little um, like pebbles in the retina. And then people with drusen can ideally just maintain their vision for their whole lives and uh, maintain that classification of early or uh, macular degeneration. Um, but some of them will, will progress to either wet macular degeneration or geographic atrophy. Um, so geographic atrophy is when a patch of retina dies. The vision cells, the photoreceptors, uh, will, um, will, will disappear in, in a small patch of, of retina, right in the center of the retina and the macula. And that will cause a little blind spot in the center of the vision, uh, which can then expand over time. And uh, so that is, that is not wet macular degeneration, that's geographic atrophy, uh, but uh, it can cause loss of central vision uh, over, over time. And there are some clinical trials that are testing drugs to try to slow or stop 
the progression of the atrophy. <clears throat> well, no, great. That that's very helpful. So, Doctor Nafe, you know the different conditions that you just mentioned, um, the vision the vision loss that's associated with them um, are is it ever reversible under you know either wet AMD or dry or geographic atrophy? Is there is there any reverse you know possibilities? Yes, there can be, Michael. So in wet macular degeneration where blood new blood vessels have grown and leaked and the fluid has accumulated in the retina, uh, treatment with these anti-VEGF injections can cause the fluid to dry up. And that restores the normal structure of the retina. And in some patients, they'll notice an improvement in their vision at that point. Uh, for patients with geographic atrophy, unfortunately, the patch of retina that has died does not grow back. Uh, so there is not going to be improvement in that sense, but uh, patients can work with special optometrists called low vision specialists who can give them sp bright lights and magnifiers that help them use the vision that they do have. Uh, and probably not a big surprise to you, but uh, over the years in Bright Focus Chats, the number one most frequent question we get is those injections that, that you spoke of a minute ago. Um, you know, people talk about some anxiety or logistical um, challenges with the injections. So the question we get all the time, is there any hope for fewer or less frequent injections or maybe an alternative to these to these VEGF injections? Uh, yes, there is, Michael. So... Uh, currently, patients are getting injections every month or two uh, with Ilea, Avastin, or Lucentis. And the FDA is now looking at a, another drug called brolucizumab, which uh, looks like it can last longer. In clinical trials, it, it did well uh, when given every three months. Uh, so that extends some hope that uh, people will be able to get these injections less frequently. And this drug may be available even as soon as the end of this year. That, that, that's very encouraging. And in your experience in, in your clinic, when you prescribe you know, regimen, you say oftentimes it's every, you know, every month or two. In your experience, what helps people uh, best um, adhere to, to that type of regimen or, you know, conversely, when someone has trouble, um, you know, maintaining uh, th that type of um, adherence, why do you think that is? Well, it's not so easy to come to a, a doctor's appointment every month, uh, especially for people who have impaired vision, uh, aren't driving anymore. So it, it really helps to have uh, a friend or a family member or a rotation of friends and family members to accompany them uh, to the appointments, especially since immediately after the injection, the vision is uh, temporarily a little bit worse because of uh, the procedure and all the cleaning that we have to do uh, around the eye to uh, minimize the risk of infection. Um, so having a companion uh, come, come for the visit uh, is so helpful. For that reason, and uh, also it, it's hard for patients to listen to what a doctor is uh, has to say uh, for 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 many patients uh, at the time of the visit because 
you know, it's very frightening to come and, uh, and, and see a doctor. And uh, a lot of times hard to, to remember uh, what was said at the time of the visit. So having a, a companion uh, in the room when the doctor's talking uh, to help to, um, to recall what was said can, can, can be great. It, it can also be helpful to have a, uh, a printout of uh, instructions for, uh, for after the visit in, in case the patient um, doesn't recall exactly what the doctor said and can refer to that, uh, that printout. That's great. I'm glad you mentioned the, the bringing a companion or a printout. Are there any other um, suggestions you'd have for our listeners about how to make the, uh, the, make the most out of an eye doctor visit? Well, it, it is important to remember that these, these injections for people with wet macular degeneration are really helpful in maintaining the vision, uh, the, the reading vision, central vision uh, in the long term. Several studies have shown that patients who are able to adhere to the in, injections come back and get them as recommended at whatever frequently, frequency is recommended by the doctor uh, do better in, in terms of maintaining their vision. So, so just keeping in mind that, it, that it's very important to come back and, and get those injections at their recommended frequency uh, can, can help motivate people to do that. Oh, that's great. We have uh, two two uh, questions that have come in from our audience I'd like to, to turn to. Uh, first, um listener from Pennsylvania is wondering, um, any particular type of sunglasses that would be best to um, either prevent uh, macular degeneration or to, you know, maintain the best eye health possible once you're diagnosed with AMD? So I wonder if you could comment about sunglasses. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, there is some evidence that long-term exposure to bright light um, might increase the risk of macular degeneration. So sunglasses have been recommended by ophthalmologists for a long time. And uh, those glasses uh, should be pretty dark for uh, outside use. Uh, they can be gray colored or brown or have a little yellow or orange tint in them. Um, and uh, there are some glasses that will uh, change color They'll darken when you go outside. Uh, these um, these lenses can be very convenient because then you don't have to carry a separate pair of glasses. The only problem with those is that they don't darken when you're driving. So you would need to have a separate pair of sunglasses to put on when you're driving. Uh, the reason that they don't darken in the car is that they are uh, darkened by ultraviolet light uh, which you get when you're outside, but it's filtered out by um, by the windshield, uh, so it it uh, doesn't reach the glasses when you're driving. For indoor use, some people find that yellow tinted lenses help them see. They can increase contrast and uh, make make it easier to see and and to read. Uh, that has to be determined on a uh, a, a per person basis. So it's something that an optometrist can work with patients to, uh, to help determine whether that yellow color will, uh, will help them see better. No, that's great. That's very, very, very helpful. Uh, we have another question uh, from uh, Tennessee that I believe is in an area uh, that Dr. Naif, you've done some research. Um, the, the listener says, uh, should I not take iron supplements? 
if I'm having AMD and I'm getting injections. I was wondering if you could uh, talk a little bit about um, iron supplements. Yes. So um, I've been studying the toxicity of iron in the retina uh, for about 15 years and uh, think that it may contribute to macular degeneration. Uh, the reasons we think this are, uh, first of all, when uh, people get iron in their eye in an accident, sometimes a little piece of metal will get into the eye. Uh, that causes a rapid degeneration of the photoreceptors, the, the same cells that die in macular degeneration. So we know from that that the photoreceptors are very susceptible to iron toxicity. And also we found that in post-mortem eyes, that is uh, eyes that have been donated at the time of patient's death, uh, iron has accumulated in the retina in people with macular degeneration. So uh, for some reason, the disease uh, promotes iron buildup, and we think this iron buildup, in turn, can exacerbate the disease. Um, so should, getting back to the question, should, should people take iron supplements? So iron is really one of those things that you need enough of, but not too much. You need iron to make red blood cells, and some people uh, have too few red blood cells because they don't have enough iron, so they become anemic. Uh, those are most often uh, menstruating women because uh, blood loss causes a lot of loss of iron. Uh, after uh, menopause in women and uh, in men, there's no more loss of any iron. So whatever iron we eat continues to get stockpiled in our bodies. So one common mistake would be to, for a woman who's taking iron to avoid iron deficiency when she's menstruating to continue taking those supplements after menopause when she's no longer losing the uh, blood, no longer losing the iron. Then she could be stockpiling a lot more iron than she needs and that it's possible that those stockpiles of iron could contribute to macular degeneration and other diseases associated with aging and, uh, and inflammation, like uh, perhaps Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, arthritis. Uh, so again, it's important to have a happy medium to, uh, to have enough iron, but uh, not too much. And there's, there are a couple of blood tests that help with that. Uh, one is just checking the number of red blood cells to make sure that you're uh, not anemic. Uh, and, and then there are measures of iron levels. So one is called ferritin. Uh, that is a, an indicator of total body iron stores. Um, and another is transferrin saturation. So these, uh, these tell us how much iron is in the blood and in the body. And uh, a doctor can help uh, guide patients uh, to let them know whether they have enough uh, or, or perhaps uh, too little or too much. And that can help guide uh, supplement, whether supplementation might be needed. That's great. Thank you for such a, a helpful answer. And I'd like to stay on that topic of supplements for a minute. Um, uh, I know that, that you and other um, uh, Bright Focus Chat guests have mentioned something called the, um, the ARIDS-2 formula, and, and you know, admitted I'd like you to explain that. But just sort of the overall topic of supplements, it feels like when people go into the, the supplement aisle at a supermarket or at a drugstore, 
it seems really overwhelming, um, oftentimes very expensive. Um, so I just wondering if you could you know, talk a little bit about the supplements that are good for, um, uh, for macular degeneration and kind of help, help people navigate that sort of wild west of the, of the supplement aisle. Yeah, there um, really is quite a variety of supplements out there. And uh, there's only one that was shown in a large NIH-sponsored study to uh, be protective, and that's called the AREDS-2 formula, A-R-E-D-S-2, uh, which um, is marketed under the name Preservision, like preserves your vision, made by Bausch and Lomb. Uh, and in the AREDS-2 study, it was shown that patients who had uh, dry macular degeneration with a certain number of these spots, the drusen, had a 25% reduction in their risk of progression to the advanced form of the disease uh, if they took the uh, Preservision one pill in the morning and one in the evening. Uh, so that's really the only one that has strong clinical trial evidence that it's, uh, it's helpful. And it turned out it was most helpful in people who didn't have the antioxidants in those pills coming from their diets. So actually, I think really the, the best way to get these healthy antioxidants is to eat a diet that's rich in fruits and vegetables and some fatty fish twice a week. Um, those foods contain not only the handful of antioxidants that are in the supplements, but hundreds of, of other antioxidants and uh, micronutrients that are healthy for the eye and, and the body uh, in general. Well, thank you. Um, we have a question from a listener in California that's wondering, is there a, a common point in the AMD progression when somebody loses the ability to drive? Um, most often it wouldn't be in the early stage of the disease when they have uh, just uh, drusen. An exception would be if there's a very large drusen right in the center of the macula, uh, but, but usually that's not the case. Usually patients with drusen uh, are, are not so likely to, to lose uh, their, their driving vision. Um, much more likely would be the patients who have wet AMD uh, or geographic atrophy. And driving vision legally is going to defi be defined by a certain visual acuity, uh, which varies from state to state. Uh, it is important for people to take stock of what they can really see I and mean, be realistic about whether they're going to be able to see that kid chasing the ball uh, across the street, running out in front of their car. Uh, and also to, to be cognizant of the fact that it's easier to drive under certain conditions, uh, if the weather's good, uh, and in familiar places, uh, much harder to uh, drive long distances or at night or in uh, unfamiliar places. So it, it's... Independence is, is, is very important to people, um, but as I say to my patients, uh, you, know, you, you really um, wouldn't, wouldn't want to put yourself in a position where you've hurt somebody. 
because your uh, vision wasn't wasn't what it needed to be when when you were driving. Yeah, I, I agree. So, Doctor Denea, you made some some excellent points about uh, about driving, and in your experience in the clinic. Um, you know, it seemed like the driving conversation would be very difficult, and it just seems connected to issues of loneliness and isolation and depression. So, as you work with your patients, is there um, on their vision health? Do you have um, tips or suggestions for how they and their caregivers can can handle some of those challenges? Patient support groups can be wonderful. Uh, we have one at uh, Shea Institute, University of Pennsylvania. Um, staying connected is, is really important. Social groups, uh, religious organizations, um, just very, very important to have that, uh, maintain that uh, social interaction. Um, there is one other thing, uh, Michael, that I wanted to mention uh, that relates to uh, depression and, um, uh, and anxiety. There's something that can happen to uh, patients who lose some central vision that, that isn't really talked about that much. And um, those are visual hallucinations, uh, which is also called Charles Bonnet syndrome. So uh, in the same way that somebody who loses an arm or a leg might still think they feel that arm or a leg, uh, it's called phantom limb syndrome. Patients who've lost a lot of central vision uh, can have their brain substitute images for the input that they've lost from their eye. So, for example, uh, patients might see uh, faces or people or, um, or wallpaper patterns or, or animals, insects, uh, when they're not really there. And then they don't want to talk about it because uh, they think that if they do, uh, others will think that they are they're having um, that they're crazy that they're you know they've lost their cognitive uh, faculties, but that's really not the case. This is a common thing that occurs when patients lose a lot of vision. It's as if the brain is bored and and it's just substituting these uh, these images. A lot of times, if people understand that this is uh, common, it doesn't mean that they're going crazy. Uh, then the images become much less disturbing. And uh, a lot of times the images themselves are, are not, uh, they're not unpleasant images. Occasionally they, they can be, but uh, a lot of times they're, they're okay. So uh, I think it is important that people understand that. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. It sounds like a great topic for people to mention um, uh, to their family members and to their their doctors, and kind of you know on the the topic of staying connected, uh, exercise, staying connected to friends and family and community. We get questions here um, when people know they're supposed to stay active and exercise, but yet have some worry that maybe there's risks to that, such as like chlorine in a swimming pool or you know a tennis ball hitting their hitting their eye, or you know how do how does one balance? Um, you know, staying active and exercising versus, you know, things such as chlorine in the pool or, or other risks? Um, sure, important questions. So um, chlorine in a pool isn't going to damage the, uh, the retina. It may cause some irritation on the, uh, on the surface of the eye, but that's not going to increase the risk of macular degeneration. Actually, that brings up a little bit of a, a side topic that I want to hit, which is that dry eye is different from dry macular degeneration. 
So many patients uh, will experience dry eye, which is when the tear film dries up and the eye becomes, uh, it'll, it'll burn. Uh, and then sometimes there'll be a reflex flood of tears after that. Uh, and uh, people may be told to put in artificial tears to, uh, to treat that. Uh, but that's different from dry macular degeneration in the back of the eye, uh, totally unrelated. Um, so uh, with respect to getting back to exercise and the safety of exercise, for, for patients who've, uh, who've lost some central vision, it is important to uh, be even more careful uh, not to fall. Uh, fall. Fall risk is increased. Uh, fortunately, macular degeneration only affects the center of the retina. In the vast majority of people, the macula, the peripheral retina is okay. So the patients are able to use their peripheral vision to help them uh, navigate uh, you know, make, and, and make sure that they're not uh, bumping into things or, uh, or tripping over things. Um, there are ways to mark things in, in a household uh, to make it safer uh, with bright tape uh, on uh, steps, for example. Uh, and there are occupational therapists who can be brought into a house to help uh, advise patients who've lost some central vision on, on how, to, how to have the safest uh, possible uh, life. But it is important not to give up exercise, to, to do uh, safe exercise, uh, under uh, under conditions that are not going to put you uh, at a uh, at an increased uh, fall risk and Michael, you mentioned the pool. I think the pool is a is a great one. It's a, a low impact situation uh, where uh, it's not going to stress the joints and uh, the chances of uh, of bumping into something or tripping and falling are are uh, greatly minimized. And then you can combine that with uh, social by making it a uh, group pool uh, exercise activity. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's great advice. And we have about five minutes uh, left in our conversation. just want to get to a few more questions. Um, you know, when you mentioned dry eye, that, that got me thinking, are there other uh, common medical problems that are either that either lead to macular degeneration or macular degeneration increases the risk of things such as diabetes or cataracts, glaucoma, blood pressure, are, is there any connection between AMD and those diseases or vice versa? Um, for some of them, yes, especially uh, high blood pressure uh, is uh, a risk factor for wet macular degeneration. Uh, in general, the uh, systemic inflammation is a, is a risk factor for macular degeneration. Uh, it was shown uh, some years ago that in blood tests that people who have uh, systemic inflammation uh, measured by uh, a test called C-reactive protein or CRP uh, have an increased risk of macular degeneration. And CRP is, uh, levels are also a risk factor for uh, heart disease. So there is certainly a connection between uh, systemic diseases like heart disease and uh, and macular degeneration in that uh, inflammation can drive uh, both of them, also neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's. And interestingly, uh, patients who eat a plant, fruit, and vegetable-rich diet 
with a reduction in simple sugars and a reduction in animal products can lower their CRP levels. So I think that is likely to lower the risk of uh, macular degeneration and uh, other systemic diseases. Great, thank you. You also uh, asked about uh, cataracts and yeah, uh, yeah. glaucoma. So those cataract is clouding of the lens, which can be treated with a surgery if the lens gets cloudy enough to uh, block light from getting into the eye. That's not associated with macular degeneration, but it is an age-associated uh, condition. Uh, glaucoma is um, damage to the uh, nerve in the back of the eye that uh, is often caused by high eye pressure. So that's why eye doctors will be checking eye pressure at uh, uh, eye exams uh, to make sure that you're not at risk for uh, glaucoma. Or if you do have high eye pressure, they may treat it uh, with eye drops to lower the pressure. Uh, and if those aren't sufficient, then sometimes a laser procedure or, uh, or even a surgery. Uh, but again, uh, glaucoma is not known to be associated with macular degeneration. They're um, uh, two, uh, two separate diseases. Great. Thank you. Um, one, uh, one more you know, question kind of related to this. You talk about you know, the taking care of your vision and, mon and, and the progression of, of um, dry AMD. Is there something people can do day-to-day -day in, their in their home to keep a close watch or there, you know, seems like there's an app for everything these days. Like, are there, are there things people can do on a day-to-day -day basis at home uh, the way we monitor other, other parts of our own health? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, so it, if you're, mo you should monitor your vision at home. Um, and uh, it's important to do that one eye at a time, because if one eye develops wet macular degeneration, it might not be so noticeable because the other eye is compensating. Uh, so cover one eye at a time, and then uh, look at uh, a page of text, like a computer screen or a newspaper or a magazine, and just make sure that uh, when you look at the center of the page, you're able to see the whole page. There are no missing parts, no distorted parts. Uh, there's also something called an Amsler grid, which is like a piece of graph paper that helps people to do this. There's a little dot in the center of the grid that you can look at and then make sure that you can see all the lines on the graph paper that they're not uh, wavy or, or uh, missing. And there are some apps that uh, can do the same kind of thing uh, where you look at the center of the screen and um, notice whether you see any waveriness or distortion in uh, the rest of the image on the screen. So, Dr. Deneyev, uh you, you've just been so so helpful and so so easy to follow. I really want to thank you for for your your being so generous with your time. And I was wondering, just if you had any kind of concluding thoughts for us, something big picture, maybe what you'd like, what you wish patients knew more of, or your own perspective on the future of vision science or health, or things that you've learned in your career. So, just some, some sort of uh, uh, concluding remarks to uh, to help our audience. Uh, sure, Michael. Um, I just realized also I didn't cover uh, one thing you asked me about, which is diabetes. Uh, so Great, ahead, yeah. diabetes can also affect the retina, uh, like macular degeneration. Diabetes doesn't increase the risk of macular degeneration, 
but it can cause some of similar uh, symptoms because the macula can be affected uh, by something called diabetic macular edema, uh, where uh, blood vessels leak. And uh, the diabetic retinopathy uh, can also be treated with some of these same uh, injections into the eye that block VEGF, the Lucentis ilia and Avastin, uh, because VEGF drives the leakiness of the blood vessels in diabetic retinopathy too. And then just to sum up, uh, you asked about uh, any, you know, big picture thoughts. And I, I just want to reiterate that uh, I have been harping on this. I apologize if it's uh, getting a, a, a bit redundant. For, uh, but the, the healthy lifestyle is just so important for diabetics, for people with macular degeneration, glaucoma, uh, and really any disease. The, uh, eating that diet that's rich in uh, fruits and vegetables, the, the diabetics do want to watch the very high sugar fruits, not too much bananas and more, watermelon, but the rest of them should be okay. Uh, and uh, some a little bit of nuts and seeds and... Um, a little healthy oil like olive oil and some fatty fish and uh, not too much of those, uh, the other uh, snack foods and whatnot. You know, occasionally we got to enjoy those, but uh, not too often because it's, we're really going to be a lot healthier if, if we do this. And we can really take our health into our own hands uh, if, if we eat this way. I, I know this trend is really catching on in, in uh, the U.S. now, but... Um, it's it's not quite there, and we're not quite doing it enough. Uh, in in the um, realm of uh, medical medical science, there are a lot of exciting things going on. This uh, rolicizumab injection coming soon, which is going to decrease the frequency of injections, uh, probably to once every three months. And there's even gene therapy that uh, could be given in theory just once and block these uh, abnormal blood vessels by blocking VEGF uh, for many years after one treatment. These uh, gene therapies are now in clinical trials in, in uh, patients. And uh, these are following on the heels of a very successful uh, gene therapy project by uh, a colleague of mine here at Penn, Gene Bennett, who uh, over the course of uh, the past 20 years was able to develop a way to deliver genes uh, safely into the retina and restore vision in children who are born blind. Uh, so this technology is now going to be transferable to patients with much more common diseases like macular degeneration. It's something that we're going to see uh, coming down the pike with, uh, with more research. We also need to treat, we need to come up with a way to stop geographic atrophy to stop the expansion of geographic atrophy. And we have some ideas about uh, drugs and approaches that are going to slow or, uh, or stop the uh, atrophy. It's an, it's an area of very active research. Well, that's great. Some really encouraging signs. Um, an exciting time uh, to, to, to be doing the research that you're doing. And um, uh, on behalf of Bright Focus and today's audience, Dr. Deneff, I just want to thank you once again for being for being so generous with your time and and so helpful. I think I think everybody today will will come away with something to uh, give them a little little more information or a little more peace of mind. So, just want to thank you so much for for all that you do. 
Thank you, Michael, for the opportunity to reach all these patients uh, in this discussion and uh, excellent questions. Well, great. So on behalf of Bright Focus Foundation, uh, thank you very much. Bye-bye. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.